0: Boston is small, you know, very small, so you got gangs on every street. As long as I'm good with these right here, I don't give a about nobody. Gotta check the bushes, you know what I'm saying? Gotta make sure ain't no new cars on the block, all that, man, you know what I'm saying? We definitely parts. on point. Gotta be cautious, man, where I come from, man. If not, I'll be on Channel 7 News, man. We, we lost our first friend at 15. he died at 15 2004 lost another one 2005 lost another one 2006 lost two more what I do is in a job i have to make sure this kid doesn't get killed That's not I didn't have nobody that could tell me, Al, you know, selling drugs is bad, stealing is bad, being in a gang is bad.
1: I feel like his life is like a
0: repeat of my life. It's not normal for a young man to be shot. Like, that's not normal.
1: These young men really need to see, you know, that positive image of who they really could be.
0: We have to teach the young brothers and sisters in our community what it means to live.
1: Hey there, General Red Review here with Old Colony Pest Control. If you're having pest problems in a commercial or residential setting, we're the people to call. Veteran-owned, based in Massachusetts and Rhode Island, Old Colony has been here servicing your homes proudly, and we plan to keep it up. Our team is fast, efficient, and reliable. We go above and beyond to cater each project's individual need. No task is too much for us, so give us a call. 774 400 5993. Again, the number is 774 45993 Hope to hear from you soon. General Red Review out.
0: This is Black C representing GreenLight Music Group. You're now listening to the booth on hoobazo.com. Get with it with my homie sinister. Get great.
1: All I want to do is lie away Holding on and... Doing
0: nothing, letting go today Take... My time, no need for rushing The broken pieces of my soul
2: I'm putting back Can you dig it? Yeah. Can you dig it? Yeah. Can you dig it?
0: This is blasphemy! This is madness! This is a booth! Staring down, looking at the bloodstained concrete You're the dead MC, flying at my feet You took a 9mm rhyme straight to your mind Damn, my better split, this this is my dime So I make my way up the block Get to home base and lock that Uh, Crack the Colossier and grab the phone Call one of my troops up Hope the soldiers when he says Yo, what's up, what's going on? Make it quick, cause I'm trying to get my stellar on Go, Uh, girl, I'm in the these lyrical assassins tried to pull a hit And then boom, came a noise from the other room It was the boys in Blue with the SWAT crew They got us locked up for lyrical murder It's one of them charges that you never heard of It's the booth, the booth, the booth, the booth, the booth. Yeah, it's the booth, the booth, the booth, the booth. Yeah, we're killing all your podcasts like the HIV virus. You want to battle this kid? Come, on, don't even try this. Back the uh. up. Come think again, count to ten. You want to grab that mic just to get done in? It's the booth. the booth. The booth. The booth. The booth. Yeah, it's the booth. The booth. The booth. The booth. The booth. Yeah, it's the booth. Was he African? African. African. No. He was American, and he was like you. He he's, looked just like you. He was Jewish. Just Jewish. like
2: Okay, Jew. Hey. It's an odd yeah. crime for a Jew to kill Yeah, no, pretty docile. Okay, so we have an African Jew wearing a hoodie.
3: No, you don't. No. no. That's not what I said. Is that what you heard me say? I said he looked like you. Do you look like an African Jew?
2: No, I look like a cop. Yeah.
0: <sighs> he was Caucasian.
2: All right, your boys, this one broadcasting live from the City of Champions. You are listening to the booth, and Ken is actually hooking up his laptop to uh, the Ethernet cable, so we're not going in and out. I got to thank my special guest for last week, Brockton Mayor Candidate, uh, Uslides Honkals. He was on last week. He's running for mayor. Uh, I want to thank him for being on. Again, the first okay. Tuesday of every month are these guys here, Ken Diesel, squared Ken Eisenhoff. Robert Resnick, they're going to be on every first Tuesday of every month. Last week, they had a prior engagement, so we scheduled it for the, this week. As we all get a look at Ken's apartment. Ken, you need a <laughs> you need a maid to get your stuff going. <laughs> Over there, man. You got <laughs> Kevin Jeffries in the chat already. What's going on, Kevin Jeffries, host of Happy Hour with Lito? Uh, Ken was only supposed to be plugging an Ethernet wire from his laptop to his modem. Um, And it's much better already, Ken. You're not choppy. Um, It should take a minute. Yeah, it should take about a minute before it switches over. Uh, But again, I got to thank my guests for last week. I got to thank these guys for coming on here. I'm just going to mention my sponsors real quick. Michael Douglas Berretto Electronics. This guy here gets my controllers fixed and ready to go. Uh, Viana Marie, your music's found everywhere. Streaming everywhere. Also, Tactical Target Systems. When I go to the range trying to actually hook up and get ken to get down there with me go down the range we use the zombie targets rebelrom.com that's my cousin's website make sure to reach out for her clothing and our new sponsor old colony pest control you'll see their ad later in the show thanks for signing on i gotta thank my man sean durbin uh philip durbin for doing the voiceover on this one and um before we get into our show i want to let my guys say hello to everybody out there ken diesel you can say hello
1: Hello, everyone. Hope you're doing well.
2: Much better now that he's on that cable. R squared, as you got the floor, the floor, the floor the, in the background.
1: <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're
3: talking politics, and the big story in politics is Governor Death Santos down here. So I thought I'd have the uh, Florida sign up I, there for tonight.
2: Yeah, we are really going to get into it. So we're going to blow through a lot of stuff here, and then these guys are going to chime in real quick with the local news booth. I just got to mention, Meet the Candidates is coming up Saturday. This Saturday, August 14th, all the candidates who are running for mayor. Will be at Brockton High. Want to make sure you head down there. Check that out. This is put on by the NAACP. Also, got to mention real quick the big crackdown on all the illegal motorcycles and mopeds out there. Ken, have you been busy with this one? The crackdown. Uh, they've gotten like a hundred bikes and things so far of these guys stolen. Are you tied up into that or no?
1: Not really. I mean, this ha- unfortunately this happens periodically, um, especially during the summer months. Needed to be so done. To be um, so, no, not really. But this is this is going to go on probably till past Labor Day.
2: Well, when you got these kids on high on the highway <laughs> with mopeds, it's crazy. Also, breaking news: Before we came in, uh, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo resigns. Now, last week on this show, we talked about Biden had already asked him to step down. Um, he was kind of like, "No, I'm, he wasn't going to step down." But then there was another story that came out that he may have touched a woman's breast. Um, and you know, the heat is building up for that. I get to see the New York post every week in the store and, you know, every week it's every day, it's been some type of accusation or some type of thing in regards to sexual harassment. Um, the memes have started. And as of today, Mr. Cuomo has resigned from his spot of governor. Um, touch base on that real quick i'm gonna let ken chime in first on this one here
1: on mr on governor cuomo's resignation yes well i think it's very telling how the both local parties handle allegations of sexual abuse and sexual impropriety and you had the democrats clean their own house you had biden come out and say he had to resign but a number of prominent democrats say he's got to resign and he resigns quietly and then you have people like Trump, who they justify by, oh, it's only locker room talk and everything like that. But I think in this day and age, you just can't get away with that. I don't know what he was thinking. He's a smart man. He's a smart politician. What in God's green and purple earth was that, that man thinking? Because now you've gone from sexual <clears throat> harassment to sexual assault. Because New York, as in most states, if you touch a woman's breasts, buttocks, or vaginal area, even if it's over the clothing, it's considered a sexual assault. Ooh. So not only does, if this allegation is true, I don't know. I haven't spoken to the witnesses. I've not seen the police report. This is not true. He's looking at a possible felony. And that goes uh, beyond sexual harassment.
2: And you make a good point when you talked about how it was handled, because you know, during Trump's time, and I don't want to really go back and, and beat that up like a dead horse, but yes, things are handled much differently. Biden comes right out, says you got to step down. That Trump administration was more full of making excuses. Um, they made themselves the victims. There were other governors and people who went through sexual stuff, and Trump didn't ask them to step down. Trump actually backed some of the guys that were accused of sexual misconducts, you know. And then Trump was like, "Well, you know this and this." So it is. I don't want to go back and beat the dead horse, but it is. It is different, and this is to be honest how it should be handled. Can um, R squared? Your thoughts?
3: Yeah, you know, I agree with what you guys have been saying. I mean, obviously, Governor Cuomo was accused credibly of some very serious misconduct. And even if only some of the allegations are proven true, it doesn't matter. There's plenty of of stuff there. And so this is an example of how it is supposed to be done you had credible allegations made. In other words, there were uh, a, a number of women, I think about a dozen women who came forward, some earlier than others, some with more details than others, but they came forward and gave statements. And the state of New York immediately Immediately, I mean, as fast as a bureaucracy can work, anyway, uh, opened an investigation. And in fact, Governor Cuomo called for the investigation, uh, which which was the right thing to do. The Attorney General immediately called for the investigation, and her office led it. Her office is independent of the governor's, and. As soon as the investigation was completed, you, you know, here's the thing with the media. You know, they they always want everybody to to tell people what the answer is before we've ever asked the question. You can't say what the outcome's going to be before we've ever even interviewed a witness. So, you know, the media has to just squat and hold on these things because. The answer is we don't know until we do what's right. Everybody's entitled to due process. These were serious allegations. The women deserved to not only say what happened, but to give a proper statement under oath to make a record of it and and to answer questions and and to do what is necessary for the investigation. Governor Cuomo was entitled to an investigation where he had the opportunity to present evidence. If he did, I don't know what he presented, probably very little, uh, but he certainly had the right to respond or the ability to respond if he did. And uh, and then you have professional investigators, law enforcement and otherwise uh, do a proper, thorough, fair investigation. And they determined that the allegations were credible when the allegations came, when the report came out, even the preliminary report, people didn't have to read the whole thing to know. They trusted and had confidence in the attorney general's office. and, And just upon hearing the report that the allegations were founded, that the report was going to find that Governor Cuomo did, in fact, commit at least some of these violations, then every politician, as you guys said, all the politicians in New York, the politicians in Congress, everybody in the Democratic Party up through President Biden said, time to resign. You had your due process. You had a chance to respond. There's a proper investigation. Now you got to go. And whatever happens next happens next. This isn't the end. This is just an important step. And, and so this is how it's supposed to be done. I'm sorry that it happened. Uh, I don't wish this on anybody, not on the women who were victimized. I don't wish this upon a governor. I don't wish this upon anybody. But this is the right way that it's supposed to happen. So this is the story now. This is what the story should be. This is how we do it, America, that if there are people with an allegation, they should make it. And then there should be a proper investigation. None of this none of this nonsense from 20 years ago or, or you know, and, and again, you guys pointed out the difference between the Democrats and the Republicans. Well, that's, that's a fair distinction because Republicans still don't care to investigate this stuff. They make excuses rather than find answers. Uh, and then it's all about truth. And in this investigation, determine truth. And I think we should all be satisfied with it.
2: And we've got a lot of people in the chat. John Hayes, what's going on? How are you doing? John Hayes seems a little upset. He says, why are you guys still talking about Donald Trump? This is why I don't listen to local shows. I thought we had been past this type of allegations of Trump matching. Well, if you were just paying attention, John, I did say, when Ken made his comment, I said, we're not going back to that. But the point did have to be made how things are handled. I think we still need to make that that point that how things are handled differently, and I think Rob just explained it best. There's no bashing here, and, you know, we're not, we're not, I already had said, we're not bashing, we're not going backwards. We want to just, go ahead, Ken, I see you with your hand.
1: To answer that question, first of all, Trump has, has staked out a position that he is the head of the Republican Party, and there are people in the Republican Party saying, yes, he's our head. So if he's going to be assuming the mantle of command, I refer to Colonel Resnick on this. Then he's got to take that anything that he does or that he did is fair game. This isn't like Obama, who, when he left office, went windsurfing and all like that, and faded to black, or George W. Bush, who went back to his ranch and started painting watercolors, or the other presidents. Trump says he's going to run in 2024. He is the, he has claims that he is the leader of the Republican Party. Then I'm sorry. Then if you're going to take out that position, then you're exposing yourself to live fire and you got to, you know, step up and and suck it up, buttercup. Okay. Okay. I am so sick of of saying, oh, this is Trump bashing. No, when we bring up legitimate problems with the former president, when we bring up issues of what he said and what he did. And we compare them to what other people said and did and what happened to them. That's not bashing. That's asking everybody to be held accountable on the same level. It's equal protection. Okay. Okay. Right. I mean, you know, I think the Army has, the, the military has a very common phrase that they don't want their leaders to ask their subordinates to do anything that they don't, are not willing, ready, willing, and able to do themselves first. Am I right, Colonel?
2: There you go, John. I hope that answers John's question. Um, He says, I'm glad that you pointed that out. Don't deflect the shade. Okay, so he he now understands what the point we're doing. I'll let you answer. No need to. No need to. Okay, cool. Uh, So, again, if you guys are under a rock, if you didn't hear, you know, Cuomo Andrew has stepped down, and he was under fire anyway. He had a lot of heat. Of how he dealt with COVID and stuff of that. So this isn't this this has been mounting pressure against him. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Moving on into the well, actually we got one we got one more news booth, and this is gonna go right to our uh, square, because I wasn't really happy with the story when it came out. Uh that the story broke two days ago about the Pentagon now making COVID vaccinations mandatory for our troops. Now, anybody who has friends or family In the military, you already know. Vaccinations are already pretty much mandatory if you're getting deployed. If you're getting deployed anywhere in this country or this world, you are getting vaccinated, period. No ifs, no ands, no buts. The problem is is that with this story that has come out, a lot of media outlets are using it to spin this story in different ways to their agenda, which sucks because... It, this is the military we're talking about there is no yes or no we're not there's no choice and i'm going to let robert resnick just tell it like it is so people are aware there's no propaganda here this is this is it i've spent 30 plus years go ahead rob i'm going to let you say it best look
3: there there are two takeaways from this and then i'll spend a minute on it there's nothing political about it, and there's nothing propaganda about it. And, and I'll add a third thing. There's nothing new about it. Right. Thank Going you. back to George Washington. Okay. George Washington. Everybody remember him? Our first commander in chief led the Continental Army, mandated vaccines for the Continental Army in 1775. Okay. So ever since our founding in 1775, and for the hundreds of years since then, vaccines have been mandatory for all military service. You wanna know why? Because you can't fight a war, you can't defend this country, you can't train, you can't do anything that you're required and responsible to do if you're sick with a deadly disease or incapacitated on a ventilator. This is not hard. This is as straightforward as it comes. If you want the military to be able to respond to a crisis at home or around the world, which is what it's our job is to do, it's a solemn promise that they make to the country, the oath that they take, then it means you have to be physically able to do it. You have to maintain health. And so- we, you know, during my years, every every year you had to go get a vaccine check. In other words, that they, they checked what inoculations you had and what you were due for. And if you were going to go overseas, you had to go for an, another check to make sure you had everything you were supposed to have. Some of the shots are not very pleasant when you go to some, <clears> you know, inhospitable environment where there might be things like malaria or smallpox. When we were going to the desert, both in uh Uh, in, in the Gulf War and the Iraq War, Uh, anthrax shots, right? And those were controversial. There were people who read nonsense on the internet. Gee, where did we hear that happening before? People read garbage on the internet uh, that there was some danger from the anthrax shots. Now, listen, it wasn't 100% guaranteed safe. There were some issues with it, but overall, the protection was necessary and far outweighed the minimal remote risks that might be associated with it. And if you didn't want to get it, you could resign and get out of the army because you were a threat to the people around you, your brothers and sisters in arms because if you brought a disease into the ranks or if you were unable to do your duty in wartime, then that meant there was a hole in the force. And so we had to get shot. Now, let me tell you about the anthrax real quick. It's a seven shot series. It's not one and done. It's not even two and done over the course of three weeks. It was a seven shot series series that took over a year to complete they were there were certain it wasn't every it wasn't the same variation so there was a certain time period between the first two shots between the second and third it was all different time periods. so it was very complicated and the medical staff had to really keep track of it so you had to go as a unit or else it was impossible to keep track of who was due for which shot some of them were given in country after you got there And those there were some side effects to those, not deadly side effects, but there was some pain involved. There were some things involved. And you know what? You had to do it. And we did it. All right. There were a handful of people that made us think about it and they got disciplinary action and they deserved the disciplinary action. End of story. And so, you know what? Um, (laughs) This should have been done sooner. We've had the vaccines for how long now? I mean, a long time, right? And COVID has, we saw with the Navy had it worse because of the ships. You're in very tight quarters on those ships. And we saw a couple of ships go out of commission for a while. We tried to keep that quiet for security reasons, but it broke in the news. We saw a few ships had to pull into port uh, and go out of commission while they dealt with COVID outbreaks. This should have been done a long time ago. That's the story here is why wasn't it done sooner? I am thrilled that Secretary Austin had the leadership because he was part of Third ID when we got the anthrax shots and he helped lead our fight. General Austin was a one star at the time. He was the deputy commanding general at third infantry division. He led the fight to take Baghdad and he knows what it took in, in Iraq. And I am so thrilled that he's the leader at the Pentagon right now and the staff that he put around him because he's making good decisions. Thank you, General Austin. Ken,
2: Ooh, man. Oh, how, do you, how do you follow that, Ken?
1: You don't. All I, all I have to say is what the colonel said.
2: Man good stuff good stuff all right moving into the legal booth here you go you guys got my nice little title here that we've done since one productions legal booth i i mentioned this last week but i tabled it for this week to kind of let ken maybe explain or or r or squared um department of justice has ordered president trump to turn over his tax returns to congress um he immediately hit social media And he started this war wars with the doj and the doj is pretty much we don't care we want these turned over what is the importance of this i mean he's been ducking he's been dodging but finally the department of justice says hey it's time it is time turn them over ken
1: well there are two main issues i think we're talking about number one Uh, There is an investigation done by the Congress, which is in the Constitution. That's their job. They perform oversight functions, and they have the right to subpoena documents from officials and citizens. And all the DOJ is doing is enforcing that and saying no citizen is above the law, no citizen is below the law. And they're saying, we don't care what you say. Do it. Trump has gone to court several times to prevent those tax returns from being disclosed, and he's lost every single time. The second reason is what's in those tax returns that is so utterly and completely shocking. Um, I don't know, and I've talked to a number of accountants who I know. They all say they really think it's going to be interesting regarding the depreciation and the write-offs of certain properties, because in the it this is getting really into the weeds, and I'll try to dumb this down as much as I can because it's dumb down mm-hmm. to me. You can see where these properties are and who actually owns them and how the depreciation is working. Remember, Trump has built this mirage that he's this massive property manager, and I didn't understand who cares. We all know Trump is not worth what he says, who gives a damn, and they say no, because if you look at who owns the property and then you compare it to the foreign policy and the things that he did, it could show a very clear indication that he was being influenced by foreign nationals and foreign governments to do certain things in order to benefit his financial empire,
3: AKA which I.K.
1: Russia? Russia, the Soviet Union, China. And I'll let Rob get on the China because Rob's been on a China tariff. Those of you, those of you who don't, Rob writes a number of excellent articles for uh, a site called The Corridor, and you should see what he wrote recently on China. But I'll leave him to talk about that. Now, the question is now. There are a number of statutes that require people who operate as agents of foreign governments to register with the United States. And if you take money or other benefits from a foreign government, you have to register as an agent if you do business with the federal government or if you have control over executive or legislative functions. His failure to do that is a felony. Every time he does that, that's why people are saying that could be the 600 pound gorilla in the room, the smoking gun, whatever god awful cliche you want to use, that they can now actually have it in black and white, that he failed to register as an agent of a foreign government, not to mention what that entails, because now you have the president of the United States at the financial beck and call of foreign governments, i.e. Russia, China and Saudi Arabia to name a few.
2: Uh, Squid, you want to add on to that?
3: Yeah, I agree with everything Ken said, but let me just add a, a couple of quick thoughts. Donald Trump was the first candidate in over 50 years to not turn over his tax returns, all right? And so why? It's a very simple question. Why? If if it's become the tradition, if it may not be legally required, but it's a strong tradition and it's expected by the voters, and everybody has done it for over 50 years. Why didn't he? And now, you know, right when he he just filed another, the the federal judge just now set a hearing for November eighth. So Congress is going to be delayed another couple of months seeing those tax returns. Why? There's only one reason, and Ken said why, because it's evidence of fraud in his tax returns. It isn't that it's just embarrassing. That almost doesn't matter anymore. If anything, he's calling attention to it. It's because if you look at his tax returns, there is a very, very strong possibility, probability that it's going to show evidence of fraud against the United States and how he's valued his assets and underpaid his taxes. I mean, there's ample evidence that over multiple investigations that have that have been done, you know that that's what's out there. Um, and then the second thing is exactly what Ken said—that also his foreign interests, and and you know, granted his financial disclosure forms would be much more telling than his tax returns uh, on on this issue. But he does have plenty of conflicts of interest where he has been actively engaging in in policy and and personal connections using his office to impact his personal investments, his personal holdings. And we knew that too, because there were multiple IG investigations into people spending money on his properties in DC and, and other parts of the country in order to gain favor with him, not just Republicans who did it you know, pretty blatantly, but also foreign leaders and foreign governments and, and international corporate assets for that matter. So you know it's there. And that's why he's fighting so hard to prevent disclosure because when the American people see it, forget Congress, when the American people see it, then they then the window into his soul is clear
2: so I'm gonna be devil's advocate here in the question I'm going to put out there though but also Trump was the first president to own properties of this nature of this of this amount he's the he's the first of that also so how do you how do we say that what he's doing was wrong when we've never really seen this or had to address this with the president
1: before? that's
3: I, very, I, I'm
1: sorry go ahead Rob
3: Oh, I'll just disagree with that premise real quick. He may be in recent memory, but there have been wealthy presidents before. There have been people who have owned things before. The Roosevelt family, the Rockefeller family. Rockefeller was a VP, but he had to disclose. And so you could there have been senators of very wealthy families that have had to disclose Mitt Romney's tax returns. He had plenty of assets. You know, so so Donald Trump is not in a unique category. Yes, he may be, you know, a famous so-called billionaire. I don't know if he's actually worth a billion. The rumor is that he's never been. But, you know, yes, he had some entanglements, but the, at the end of the day, he doesn't even really own anything. He just brands out his name. So at the end of the day, when you see his assets, they're not nearly as complicated or far reaching as what people might believe that they are. And that's that's the you know, sort of the embarrassment angle of it. But at the end of the day, the principle is the same. Yes, maybe he's get, got more business interests than some of our traditional presidential candidates in recent years, but the rules are the same and, and the disclosure is the same.
1: Okay. Yes, and if I can add on to that, for those of you who don't know, there's a man named Nelson Rockefeller who was the vice president for a short period of time under Nixon. The Rockefeller family has owned more property, more banking interests, more international dealings in, in any given day than Trump has his entire life. So the suggestion that Mr. Trump is unique is absolutely untrue. If you look at other, like, Roosevelt was another prime example. Both Teddy and Franklin had huge assets. Uh, we've had to deal with these issues before. Every single president has put their assets in a blind trust. Trump didn't. And I'm sorry, this is not unique. We, uh, it, whether you own, you own a million dollars or you own a dollar, it doesn't make a difference. It's the principle that matters. The idea is you should have only one master, and that is the people of the United States of America. If you have business interests that conflict with that ability to discharge your duties, you should either not be president or you should put your assets in a blind trust. One of the two.
2: Which we discussed when he took over office. We knew that was coming. And I had to play devil's advocate because a lot of people are out there, well, you know, we never had a president that was this rich before. You know how it was. And we had discussed this and we, we had broke it down. So I'm glad that we were able to touch base on that. Um, another story in the legal booth this is a scary story and and I, I actually the first person I hit up was Rob because Rob has been very he, he's he's been in tune with these stories involving those who were insurrectionists and I don't care what I know Turtle Boy and some of these other people out there on the internet think of some of these people as whatever we have said here that they were terrorists they were insurrectionists there's nothing else about it, and Osquid, who's a veteran, um, anybody who's a police officer, a firefighter, or a military veteran, Osquid has been very honest with his feelings in this matter and how these people should be treated. So there's this story that we had talked about a while back. There were two Virginia police officers. One of those was a sniper who was arrested uh, for what they did. And January 6th, they went up, they stormed the you know the Capitol they were caught they were turned in um they were both suspended this gentleman here thomas robertson one of the two he was actually allowed to be at home after january 6th to await his trial while this gentleman was awaiting his trial he purchased 34 firearms he began to make pipe bombs in his home and The claim here is that he was more radicalized during that short period of time when they were now notified of his intent. So now this Thomas Robertson, he has now been picked up and the judge has now denied him his freedom. He now has to sit in jail until his trial or his case comes up on January 6th. My problem is, as I know, Ken, who's a defense attorney, his guy, he's probably had guys who were held from being sent home on lesser charges this guy committed insurrection and was released to his home where he continued to do more damage and was allowed to be radicalized more and if you people don't understand what radicalized means i'm gonna let r square get into it what does that mean let people know break it down because it's scary it is scary
3: Well, yeah. I mean, if I'm staying strictly on the point of radicalization, you're simply talking about a brainwashing process, really. You're talking about somebody that gets a very extreme subset of information that's neither credible, usually not accurate, not not proven, you know, what what have you that has a, a direct and and Uh, strong impact on the way that they think and the way that they act, taking them outside of the mainstream and making them prone to violence. And so if you didn't have ample evidence that these were terrorists, which we all know they were and still are, it's not past tense. They are still terrorists (laughs) and they will act again, given the opportunity. And that's exactly the case with this guy. He was a terrorist when he attacked the Capitol. He was a terrorist when the judge let him out on bail and he was a terrorist And how much evidence do you need when he's making pipe bombs and buying, you know, a stockpile of firearms? What do you think he's doing with those? He's not going duck hunting, folks. Uh, I don't know anybody who duck hunts with pipe bombs. And you certainly don't need the type of arsenal he has for recreation or anything else. He was preparing for round two of a war against the United States. Now, if I may, you, you mentioned bail. Ken lives the idea of bail, the practice of bail on behalf of all of his clients, and I teach it in my classes. Bail is a, a evidence of something that's gone terribly wrong with our criminal justice system because of the, you know, socioeconomic inequalities and other inequalities in there. That's that's a topic that we could talk about for a very long time. Criminal justice reform on another show, but the point is that you know the judges in this particular case. Uh, Some of them had to make some very difficult decisions on bail. This is not the type of bail decisions that I would think, you know, Ken sees in in Massachusetts on behalf of his clients that may be, you know, being denied bail for socioeconomic uh, discriminatory reasons or something like that. Here, the judges have been forced to try to make a preliminary determination based on evidence presented to them. You know, which of these folks were really just caught up in the trespass, which some of them were, and which of these folks were really there to participate in the insurrection in the overthrow of our government or the prevention of our government's functioning. Those people should not be allowed out on bail because they are terrorists by every definition of that word. So this was a guy that never should have been let out. That judge made a terrible mistake. Now, we'd have to look at what evidence was presented in that case file, but, you know, it's, it's a very difficult decision. Now I know, I know Ken has a lot more thoughts on bail. I didn't want to get into a, a, a you know, divert our attention away.
1: <laughs> Ken? No, absolutely. And it drives me crazy because this one, you raise an excellent point. I've got a number of clients who currently are being held without bail on much lesser charges. I'll give you an example. I've got a guy going to trial on August 18th. He was held out bail because he picked up new cases, None of those cases going forward. I, I actually had a full blown bench trial, which is a trial without a jury, which I won. And he's still being held. He's got two other cases that are being, one's being tried August eighteenth. One will probably be tried in October, if they go forward. These were not. These were. These were. You know, no cases ever small, but they involved one person in the allegation of domestic abuse. Okay, one person domestic abuse. Case is weak. I'm not going to get into the details, but they weren't trying to overthrow the government with automatic weapons and pipe bombs. Yet he's sitting in jail. Yet this other person who tried to who was part of a violent insurrection, overthrow the government, is, you know, sitting at home. I'm sorry. There, On the federal system, this is all federal charges, there are grounds to holding people indefinitely prior to trial if they pose a substantial threat to the health and safety of the public. And I'm sorry, I don't know what judge could say these people did not pose a threat to the health and safety of the public when they try to overthrow the goddamn government with automatic weapons. I think that's a very definition. And now, as Rob pointed out, this guy goes home and starts building pipe bombs. Now, granted, he did get his bail revoked. He's now sitting in jail until January. But still, wake the freak up, people. This was not a tour that went wrong this wasn't on a bunch of drunk college kids scaling the uh the fence around the white house as a prank i'm
2: sorry and i hate to say this too but again this is this is when we get into this whole discussion about white privilege and again ken you, you i'll let you say it. You, this is you've said it before that's white privilege yeah hey, absolutely, please
1: white privilege and I'm saying this is a criminal defense attorney. It's a lot easier to defend a nice white college kid than a black kid from Brockton or Roxbury or Worcester. Okay. And, and God forbid, much that, easier.
2: God forbid that this guy didn't carry out an attack or something of that sort. Cause then people would be asking the question, How, why the hell was he out? Cause a lot of people are going to say, what, what do you mean this guy was out awaiting trial? A lot of people are going to ask that question. I see our squid on his head. Cause that was the first thing when I sent this story to him. Oscar's like I got to know why he was let out. I, I, I you, you are, you are already pondering what, what made this judge think? Okay, it's safe to let this guy go out <laughs> and sit at home because
1: he's a nice white kid, and you know, unfortunately, this was not a drug offense. That there is a, especially in our judiciary that we treat people in the white militia movement differently than we treat anybody else. Oh, they're just, you know, they've been radicalized by Fox TV. They're really not bad people. They just got, you know, they had a bad day. No. No. They're doing it because they think they can get away with it. Stop them a few, stop a few heads a couple of times and maybe they'll be less likely to do it.
2: Yeah, I think. To be honest, I hate to say this, but I think if this guy was in Massachusetts, I don't think he, I think he would have been in jail because Massachusetts has been handling these people differently.
1: Yeah, in Massachusetts, I, I, we would have gone to town on him for no other reason than to show that we're not showing white privilege. Because in Massachusetts, there has been a huge amount of litigation about white privilege and about how people are being profiled. There's a case called Palmer versus Long, which I could get into another day. A very technical case, but but just trust me, <clears throat> we're addressing this issue, the systemic racism and the disparity, and we've been talking about it. Of course, criminal defense attorneys like I have been talking about it for 30 years, but now people begin to listen. If they had pulled this crap in Massachusetts, they wouldn't be seeing the inside. Of, the only thing they'd be seeing the inside of is a jail cell. <laughs> I'll give me an example. The uh, moors of the resistance. I'm, I'm miss. I'm, mis- oh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're uh, right. The Moors, rise, yeah. Yeah, The Rise of the Moors. You're right. Rise of the Moors. From two weekends ago. They, yeah, they got the book. Oh, trust me. They're all getting held. No ifs, ands, or buts.
2: Yeah, I knew that. I knew they were going to make an example out of them. I knew and they it.
1: made it quite clear. that They said, we have zero tolerance for people trying to do armed insurrection. End of story.
2: I, I agree. Hey, you know. Uh, moving on into the legal booth uh an army veteran was sentenced 10 years uh this was a story that we had talked about a while back um there was an army vet who shot into a car of black girls it doesn't matter what color they are he shot into the car of girls and wounded a 15 year old girl at a trump rally um they had a dispute at the at the at the end of the rally um and he shot into the car cuz he felt that they put people's lives in danger this gentleman has now been sentenced to 10 years he is an army veteran crazy crazy stuff also in the legal booth that i just got to mention because i've been talking about it on the show every week uh britney spears lost in court monday and she now claims that she's going to cut back on social media the reason i'm going to say this is because one when she got up in front of the judge a while back she claimed that she's not mentally stable she still struggles every day everything she said after that it didn't mean crap um her father is being left as overseeing her conservatorship. And if you've been following her Instagram, the nude photos and all these crazy things that have been going on are going to come to a downspin. Um, and I'm glad to see it because I feel like she she needs the help. And, you know, we'll see what happens in that conservatorship. Ken has dealt family law, but I asked Ken about this, and Ken had said that. Um, it, it's different with each state, so it's tough for him to kind of yeah. answer that whole thing because every state is different, so we just want to wish her... Health and get that stuff going. Entertainment booth. Uh, I guess gonna mention was in Maine. I gotta thank these guys for allowing me and Viana Marie to perform up there. Rest in peace, Marky Post from Night Court, 70 years old. Also gonna mention Rihanna billionaires club for her Fenny line of makeup and her lingerie line. And we're gonna get into the sports booth, which I got these guys on here. It's preseason. The Keel Harry is the talk of training camp right now. I've already said enough about Nikhil Harry and Patriots training camp. First training camp uh, preseason game is Thursday night. The rumor is is that Mac Jones may be getting the start on Thursday night. We'll see. But in other news, uh, in NFL news, two things to discuss. Rob's Giants, Saquon Barkley, running back. For me, I worry because when guys come off any type of ACL that first year, they're kind of gun shy mentally. They're not ready yet because they want to protect that leg from not getting whatever that ACL from not getting injured. Um, do you agree with him coming off that pup list and hitting practice right away, or do you feel that they you feel they should kind of go slow with this this ACL? I mean, this is your this is your star running back. This is your franchise running back, and I got I got to ask Rob, he's a Giants guy.
3: Yeah, first of all, you're absolutely right. And this is what people have to remember. When you have any type of these injuries, you know, knee injuries, ankle injuries, what have you, you never come back 100%. You may be able to come back and play, no problem, but you're always prone to re-injury. It's never actually 100%. And so every one of these players that has come off of an ACL, an MCL, or, or you know, different these type of injuries... Um, always has to be concerned. Now, in the case of Saquon Barkley, I'll say a couple of things. You know, he's not being hit yet. I mean, they still have him on limited, um, you know, limited practice, and he's been doing a lot on the sidelines for weeks. He is, he is doing what he needs to do to prove that he's ready and and i think that the giants are being somewhat reasonable in in slowly you know adding to what he's doing he's not he's not playing in full contact you know scrimmages or anything like that that would be a mistake if they were to let him do it you know, for him, this is not his first injury either. He's been injured before. This was his most serious injury and he missed just about all of last season with it. He had gone out earlier for part of other seasons. So he's got this, you know, he's prone for these type of injuries because he plays so hard. He wants to fight for every yard. I mean, he's the type of guy you want on a team because he's going to take it on his shoulders and he's, he's going to fight for everything. The problem is when you do that, uh, then you, you, You know, you're prone to more injuries because you're putting yourself out there and you're going to get hit more and you're going to get protected less. And it's just the way it works, especially with the Giants offensive line, which has been, you know, among the worst in football for a few years. So he didn't even have any good run blocking while he's doing that. So I give him a lot of credit. This kid is a competitor. You know, he wants to make a difference. He wants to support the team. He wants to be a player, uh, all for good reasons, not for ego reasons. So I I hope he does come back healthy and strong. I hope he makes it through the whole season. And I hope the Giants can protect him with some run blocking. But uh, I do think overall they're being reasonable in how they're bringing him back. It's really, you know, it's almost going to be on him to not push it too hard.
2: Uh, Ken, anything you want to add about the Pats training camp in this upcoming preseason game on Thursday night?
1: No, uh, really, I don't. I mean, I'm very interested to find out what's going on because if, if there's one thing that Bill Belichick does better than probably than any other coach in the league, and that's keeping his cards close to his chest. I really don't know what's going on. Uh, anybody who claims they know what's going on in Bill Belichick's head is either a fool or a liar, and I am neither.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and I'm going to be lucky enough to head out to Jersey, me and Ty are going out to see the Eagles and the Pat- Patriots play. Um on August nineteenth, so I'm pretty psyched about that. Uh moving on in the sports booth, um Olympic silver medal winner Christine Moboba uh, was forced to strip down and prove her gender identity. Guys, this is nothing new. Um in the sixties and seventies China, Russia, all of those countries were they were changing genders and winning weightlifting and they were winning gymnastics with with gender changes, so this is nothing new to the Olympics. So, people, just please stop. This is nothing new. This is this this type of cheating has been going on. Her, t- her testosterone levels were high, so they wanted her to prove that she was a woman, and she was able to prove it. But uh, they're, they're making a big big story out of this. Uh, here's a question for you guys, and I'm, I'm I'm it's the last piece of the sports booth. Lamar Jackson, quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens, has contracted COVID a second time. And there's this whole discussion again, you know, as we talked about the military, of course, yes, they've got to go and fight and deploy. And and, and they have a reason why they have mandatory. This is a big discussion right now because Lamar Jackson feels he doesn't want to be vaccinated because he doesn't trust the vaccination right now. But the thing is, is, Does he have an obligation to his team, the NFL, and the fan base in regards to COVID? Should the NFL, and the NFL's already put things into place, if guys in the regular season end up with COVID, they're looking at guys being fined, guys being suspended, and there are people out there who are pissed off and saying the NFL is stomping on their rights and blah, blah, blah. I hate to say this, people, but I think... I think if the NFL, NBA, MLB, or whatever says that these guys should be vaccinated, I agree with it. You travel eight games of the 16 to different states. You're meeting with different fans who you have no idea what their health is. You're signing football, shaking hands, and doing all. I think as an obligation, you should be vaccinated, period. Um, I'm going to go around the horn because this whole thing with Lamar Jackson has stirred up a huge debate with people saying, well, he has a right. I don't think he has a right. I'm going to start with our squared first.
3: Two things. First of all, he doesn't have a disagreement with the shot. There's no legitimate disagreement. He's lying. Okay? It's not honest. There's no honest basis to not take it. The- he has access to incredible medical people as part of a, an NFL football team or to get people on his own, and they could tell him in no uncertain terms that there's no medical objection to him getting the shot. So his claim that he doesn't trust the vaccine is not an honest one, in my opinion. It's certainly not a reasonable one, even if even if it's what he thinks. So I don't buy it for a minute. Here, here's what it's about. This is about somebody who has said by his actions and his words that he is in it for himself and he doesn't give a blank about his teammates or his fans. That's what this says about Lamar Jackson. Shame on him, because like you just said, Keith, the NFL football team, you know, is a very large organization and everybody's important and he's supposed to be leading that team on the field, certainly on the offense. And they have to be in close contact and they have to travel and they interact with, with their fans, with, with the team organization, with people assisting them in travel and equipment, with the opposite team. And you can't be bringing COVID into that environment. We were so damn lucky to get an NFL season last year. We really were. You know, I mean, the NFL had to do a lot to make that happen. And it wasn't perfect. There were teams that had COVID delays and COVID problems. And we needed to do a better job this year. And the NFL tried and came under tremendous criticism. For, you know, some of the efforts that they made to try to get everybody vaccinated. You know what? If, if law enforcement has to get vaccinated, if the military has to get vaccinated, if, if healthcare care workers have to get vaccinated, and they all do and they all should, then so should a darn NFL football player. You don't like it? Go get a real job, Lamar. Let's see what you can do with yourself if you didn't play football, you punk. <laughs> and look, here's the funny thing. If it wasn't
2: for bye weeks, we would have had no NFL because- Thankfully, they were able to reschedule games and get past that COVID by utilizing the bye weeks. I think that was the – when we look back at this in history of sports, the NFL bye week is what saved the NFL last year. And kudos to the NFL scheduling team who was able to make the bye weeks work under COVID. I mean, granted, we had games on almost every night of the week. It worked, though. It was great.
3: I I I want to hear what Ken has to say, but let me throw this out to you, Pats fans. What do you think Belichick would do if he had a Lamar Jackson saying, I don't care about my team, I'm not getting a shot? What do you think
1: Belichick would do? I'll let Ken answer that. I'll let Ken answer that. (laughs) Son, there would be blood on the floor. (laughs) Then he'd fire him.
2: That's right.
0: If
1: he was lucky. Right. Okay, let me just say – I'm a hardcore civil libertarian, card carrying member of both the ACLU and Amnesty International. Okay. I'm a firm believer in letting people do what they want with their body. I'm a firm believer in decriminalization of narcotics and even prostitution. You want to go out and lay down with whores? That's your business. I'm not going to do it, but I'm doing it. That's my personal decision. Okay. If people want to be porn stars, let them be porn stars. I got no problem with strip clubs. Let me just say that from the top. Now, now that I've said that, Let's discuss a, or let me rephrase that. Let us have a common understanding of the term right. A right is something that an individual possesses that entitles him or her to certain things, regardless of race, creed, color, athletic ability, education level, economic status, or age. Okay? Now, being a professional football player is not a goddamn right! It is a freaking privilege! Awarded very few people. Now, Sinister One, I love you dearly. You know that we've been friends for almost over 15 years and you played a professional football player in a movie once many years ago, but there is no way in hell you're ever going to get drafted for a professional football team. You're simply not that good. Mm-hmm. No disrespect. <laughs> I love you dearly, man. But you ain't ever going to make the Patriots. Hell, you wouldn't even make the Giants. Hell, you wouldn't even make the Jets. Okay. So when, when Mr. Jackson, with all due respect, talks about his right not to get vaccinated, no, you don't have a right to get vaccinated and play in the NFL. You're an employee and your employer has the right to mandate certain conduct of you. It's called a morals clause in your contract. And if you fail to comply with that, you can get fired. If Mr. Jackson doesn't want to get vaccinated because he's a goddamn moron, I can't cure stupid, but don't expect to get paid by the Baltimore Ravens or anybody else, and don't expect to be to be on their team or any other NFL team. I'm Dave, sorry.
2: Dave Haggerty's in the chat, and Dave Haggerty, glad to see you here on this show. Um, Dave Haggerty's had some health issues. He battled a lot of health issues during COVID, and luckily, you know, he's still with us. But he says, way too many interactions with people, fans, teammates, not to get vaccinated, period. Yes. And, and it's true, yeah, you know. It, it, it's true, so... Well,
1: look, let me give you an example. <clears throat> I have been vaccinated since April 23rd. I just recently had three negative COVID tests. Okay? yet yeah, despite that, every time I walk into any court in Massachusetts, I've got to wear a mask. It's damn uncomfortable, and I don't like it. Okay? But I do it. Why? Because practicing law is not a right; it's a privilege. And the administrative office of the trial court has said that anybody walking into their courthouses has got to wear a goddamn mask for the for health, for the excuse me, for the preservation of the health of the public. Do I like it? No. Do I do it? Yeah. Do I complain about it? Sure. That's your right. If Mr. Jackson wants to complain about getting the vaccine, more power to you. Awesome. I will I will more than happy to to step down from the booth and when it's my turn for Mr. Jackson to come in and complain on our show about having to get the vaccine as long as he gets it. Because that's his right.
2: <laughs> All right. Moving into Biden bombshells before we close out this show. Uh Biden announced this week half of the new vehicles manufactured must be electric by twenty thirty. It doesn't matter anyway. Worldwide, pretty much, they want all electric vehicles by 2023. They want to start, you know, wheeling those out. Overseas is way ahead of us. I just, yeah. Also, in the Biden bombshells, Biden thanked the U.S. Olympic team for their successes on the Today Show. Personal, you know, a lot different, again, than what we've heard before. Um, and then I got to get into this one here. I'm going to ask our squared on this one. Biden backs the Department of Justice fresh review of 9-11 documents i thought we were done and we were past everything with 9-11 but i guess the doj wants a fresh review of 9-11 documents and pretty much biden has given them blessings can you acknowledge kind of what's going on here and, and what they're trying to release that might be new or whatever is there some closure that military or is there something there that we need to know about
3: well, you know, whenever you have uh, an investigation, and that was a huge investigation. That's what should have been done after January sixth. The same type of investigation, you always have the decision and a very difficult decision about what to make public and what to protect. And if you're going to protect it, because the the default is to make things public under the under the law, but there there are multiple exceptions. Uh, that allows the government to keep things from public disclosure, national security being one of them, and and there are some other exceptions, law enforcement and and, and what have you. And and so, you know, as time goes by, some of those exceptions go away. And you have uh, media or public interest groups that have longstanding requests for those documents. And so that means they have to be reviewed periodically under the Freedom of Information Act and other applicable law, uh, because the exceptions that existed in let's say the few years following 9-11 may or may not still be applicable, or even if they're applicable, the new administration Mm. or the new leadership of the offices may no longer feel that they want to invoke those exceptions. So you're always going to have periodic reviews. That's why going back to you know, if you look for things in in the middle 20th century, you still have stuff being reviewed uh, and released from, you know, the Cold War, from World War Two, from uh, from Watergate, you know, what have you, because some of the things that were withheld at the time no longer need to be withheld under current standards or interpretations or the national security interests no longer uh, exist.
1: Anything to add to that, Ken? No, uh, Rob, Rob said everything that I would say. And, and, but I also like to remind people, we're not talking about just one investigation. There were multiple investigations, both congressional and by various law enforcement agencies and intelligence agencies. And those documents are constantly being reviewed. So when they talk about a review of the documents, you got to remember, the plethora of documents out there probably would probably crush us if we ever try to get underneath them. So this is nothing new. I'm glad to see it.
2: Nice, nice. Now, we got three more topics to talk about. We're going to run a little bit over because I really want Oscar to get into this because he's down there in Florida and he's he's dealing with this. But before we get into these last two topics, I got to talk about this bipartisan deal that has just gone through. It's humongous. It's historic. And the key word here, people, is bipartisan. So it's, it's I believe this deal is worth about a trillion dollars. Um, They were talking to Jen today. Um, about this deal and they were worried about putting the you know putting the country's financial at risk and talking about, you know, that this is gonna raise uh the debt and it's gonna cause all these problems. But they said nope, they looked at this, it's spread out over an ample amount of time. Um and it's gonna be you know, the rich are gonna have to pay for this and it's gonna get a lot of stuff done in this country that needs to be done in regards to transportation, roadways and all of these things of this sort. But like I said, the key word here, and I'm going to let these guys explain it, key word here, people, which we haven't heard in the last three years, is bipartisan. Let these guys get right into that. Uh, I'll let uh, Ken go first on that.
1: Okay, exactly. And I think you pointed this out earlier when we did our pre-show prep. There were 20 <laughs> Republicans who joined. Democrats in passing this bill. And that's a huge margin. The Democrats have the votes get this passed by themselves. But the fact that they brought in 20 Republicans in the Senate to do it is really amazing. This had a lot, a lot of, of support within the greater community. And like it or not, money talks, BS walks there are a lot of people who needed their roads, bridges and other things repaired there's a, there's a lot of money there for uh, internet infrastructure especially in rural areas which don't get a lot of it and other things and i think this is just something that everybody wanted and everybody knew they wanted it and so the politicians had you know had no choice they may not have wanted to vote for it but they knew their district uh wanted it and the old joke in politics you can either vote your conscience or your district and in this case a lot of people voted their district, which I find very interesting is, and again, not to go back to Trump bashing, that Trump came out against this deal and rallied against Republicans, uh, for, uh, against supporting it. And they pretty much ignored him. Which, which basically tells me Trump isn't the big, the big play in the Republican Party that everyone fears he is on certain issues. When it comes down to it, they can ignore him without any penalty when they want to. squid. Yeah, I mean, what Ken said is
3: exactly right. I mean, this was this was such an important issue to such a majority of Americans in every corner of this country. Republicans had to support it. I realize there were still plenty who didn't. But for the most part, they had to support it uh, because it was an election issue and they risked losing. And so, you know, it was a no brainer that this was going to pass because they got enough concessions out of it. Obviously, that's the way it's supposed to work. Neither side gets everything they want. You have to give a little bit. You have to get a little bit. You find you figure out how to get your, your top priorities and, and give in on some things that might be a little bit less important. And that's how legislation has been passed for hundreds of years. I'm glad to see something like that come out of the Senate.
2: And I'm applauding this. And the reason why I'm applauding this is because even when Obama got in, you know, we went through this whole thing where the Republicans dug their heels in. And, you know, that first term of Obama, nothing got done because they wouldn't agree to anything. And it actually hurt us for those four years. So to see... 20 Republicans come out and support this lets me feel better about this government going ahead in these next three years under Biden. It's not a Biden thing. I think seeing them work together and pull this together, I think this is huge. And I think people need to pay attention because it shows that we've got a group of Republicans now that aren't scared to make decisions. Cause I feel under Trump, there were a lot of Republicans who were scared and stayed loyal to him till the very end. Towards the end, there were a lot of Republicans who said, hey, you know what? I can't ride this train no more. I got to get off. (laughs) You know, and and you said it best, R-Squid. You said there's going to come days where a lot of these people are not going to sell their soul no more, and they're going to get off, and they're going to be doing. And granted, there were a few people that we, you know, we talked about and said, oh, you're only doing this because of now. But the thing is, is that I think we're headed in the right direction. So moving on into this uh, Biden bombshells and, Look, uh, the U.S. judge has now said that DeSantis cannot ban cruise ships who are asking for vaccination proof uh, coming into Florida. Um, originally, DeSantis had put a whole thing out there. For those who don't know, Governor DeSantis down there in Florida, who's getting ready to run for president in 2024, he's got this whole big thing going on down there. He's He's been on the news every day, and he... Uh, he tried to stop cruise ships from coming into Florida that were asking for vaccinations. Um, and then him and Biden got into this war words where, you know, they were talking about the COVID numbers rising and how he was going to do this and how he was going to do that. And Biden pretty much said, you know, he didn't say any names. He said, you know, for those governors who are in the way, but not doing nothing, you need to get out the way. and And that was, that was a fair professional line that he did. And when they went to Governor DeSantis, uh, Governor DeSantis, you know, he said what he said. So what did Biden do? He had to go back. And when Biden, they asked him about if he had heard what DeSantis had said, which was utterly ignorant. uh, Biden says, what, Governor? And then laughed. And DeSantis comes out and says, well, you know, he doesn't remember my name. He's pretty forgetful. No. Did you not see the smirk and the funny laugh that Biden made? He knew your name. He just wanted to let you know that he wasn't acknowledging you. And, you know, you're going on here. And, you know, to see it, this for me, I feel like as I watch what he's doing in Florida, everything he's doing, he don't care about the people in Florida. He doesn't care about the voting constituents. All he cares about is his run in 2024. That's it. Hence the reason why every time he's in the news and he does something, he's out there with his text messages and fundraising. But Osquid, you're down there in Florida. It's what we're getting up here has to be only a fraction of the craziness that's going on right now down there.
3: Well, you know, there there are a couple of sort of background issues to to keep in mind. First, the the Republicans in Florida have had absolute control of state government for over 25 years, going back to before Jeb Bush was governor. And so you've got one party rule in this state. As a result of that, They think they're unbeatable. They think they can do whatever they want to and they'll win re-election. And and so far, I guess for 25 years, that's been proven correct because Democrats have not won statewide office. For this coming election cycle, and DeSantis is up for re-election as governor next year, uh, the Democrats have put up two strong candidates. Marco Rubio, for senator, has a very strong challenger. And Val Demings, who was uh, on the very short list to be Biden's VP. Uh, she was my first choice for VP. Uh, and so, uh, you know, the Democrats are showing signs of life down here. So the question is from from Governor DeSantis, who we call Death Santis down here. The uh, the, the question is, you know, is he really is does he really believe. That going to this extreme is going to get him the Republican nomination in 2024 because he's taking 2022 for granted. Watch him get him. Watch him get embarrassed next year. And that ends his presidential ambition. Uh, and, And so let's take you know, let's not put that aside. But but focusing on this is all about 2024 for him. He absolutely wants and believes he can get the extremist base. Not the traditional Republican base that they used to go for in the primary. This is all about the supremacists and the extremists, the people that now control Republican electorate. Uh, because if you if you you know if, if you have their noise, then that's what it, that's what it seems to take. You, obviously, you need more votes than just them, but they seem to they seem to dominate. And so you've got DeSantis who is going all out to try to win that win that segment of the vote. He believes that he can get that segment. He believes that that will get him the 2024 Republican nomination. And then he believes that he will be able to defeat Joe Biden or whoever the Democratic nominee may be. Biden may not seek a second term. He hasn't said yet. Uh, So the question becomes, is that really the way the voters would go can even if he wins the primary, is that really a way to win the general election? Right. That he has gone to incredible extremes. You know, everybody said, you know, watch the Republicans and look at Trump and the authoritarianism and all that. That was an amateur act. Trump's nonsense. And there were some safeguards in the federal government that we're learning about every day now in the news, some of the things coming out about the people that, you know, prevented him from doing it. Well, if you look at the state of Florida, Governor DeSantis has become an authoritarian. He's everything that people thought Trump was trying to do in his last year or so. I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, because this is this is who DeSantis is. And this is the danger of, the, of today's Republican Party, because we can't stop them. We don't have the votes in the state legislature. That cruise ship thing was voted on by the state legislature. All the things he's doing under his name are actually being passed by the state legislature. They're not executive orders, for the most part. They're they're state, uh, their they're, they're, uh, legislature uh, coming out. So. Um, so it's not just him. Now he did lose. Norwegian cruise lines successfully sued him uh, so that they they can't be blocked from, from requiring proof of vaccination for cruises leaving out of Florida. Now that'll go up on appeal, but that is the right legal answer. And I, and I hope that the other cruise industry will join Norwegian in, in pushing him on that because that is what will keep the cruise industry operating and safe. And the thing about this with DeSantis is that two things, first of all, He, like all of these anti-vaxxer and conspiracy theorists, are willing to kill their own families and friends and colleagues for political gain. I'm not saying that that's what he's doing. He is pushing for vaccinations right now in a very subtle kind of way, but he is. But, you know, starting from scratch, you know, these anti-vax movements, these people for for some strange political message that isn't even resonating with people. They're willing to kill themselves, their families, their colleagues, just just to prove some ridiculous political point that you can't force them to take a vaccination. It's all silly. But in DeSantis's case, what he's been doing is not only is he playing to that base, he is exerting authoritarian control. For example, what you've seen in the news the last couple of days is this is being done by executive order, and he's, he's doing it by railroading the Department of Education, uh, which is already in, in, in trouble. If you look up the Florida Commissioner of Education. Uh, you know, the State Commission of Education Uh and look at some of the comments he's made to some right wing audiences. He's he's a piece of garbage, that guy. And he's in charge of our education system. So DeSantis can run roughshod over him. Anyway, his executive order said that any uh, any county government, any any school board or school superintendent that tries to have a mask requirement, uh, he will withhold their salaries. For as long as they for as long as they do that. Now, that's not within his authority. Right. And if what what is the traditional Republican Party mm-hmm. believed in the authority of local and state government to do their job? Right. The Republicans have not been for for a strong national government. They've been against the, a strong federal government. They've always believed in state and local government. Right. And so what do you have for for DeSantis? Well, he is taking away the authority of your county school boards and school superintendents to make these very basic decisions that they are the best ones to make for their own locations and what is right for their system, for their families, for what needs to be done. He has also, uh, uh, through executive order, banned counties, cities, and local governments from uh, enacting any COVID safety restrictions. He has taken away all authority to act from the state, local and county officials. Anything he doesn't like, he takes their authority away. He doesn't, you know, try to negotiate. He doesn't try to say, well, you know, maybe we'll, we'll change our state funding priorities. No, he's actually stripping away their elected authority. The authority that they have is the elected officials in their jurisdictions. That is unheard of. That is what the story should be right now. It's not just about him withholding or threatening to withhold the salaries of some of these school superintendents. It's the fact that he is taking away their authority and withholding it to himself. Think about that for a moment. Is that not the definition of authoritarianism? Is that not the definition of tyranny? That is Governor DeSantis. He is willing to kill Florida people for his 2024 ambitions, and he has become an absolute authoritarian taking away the power. I happen to think that our county and local officials are are in a better position to determine whether and when and how we should have mask requirements here, if we do, and vaccination requirements and social distancing requirements and, and any of the things that kept us safe. You know how we got through COVID before the vaccine? We went through a long time before the vaccine was out. It was masks, It was all those safety things that we did. That's what kept us safe until we could get vaccinated. And we might need them again to get through this Delta variant. And who knows what might come again until we can wipe this virus out of our society. But DeSantis and some of his other cronies like Abbott in Texas are blocking everything. They would rather have people die because they think it's politically expedient for them in 2024. I've never seen anything like it. And we should be disgusted by it across this country. And we should make sure that if they do win their primaries, they never have a chance to win the general election, no matter who their opponents are.
2: It's funny, after you mentioned Governor Abbott, um, there's a story about him um, asking for medical help because it's so bad there. It was leaked that he's been asking for some type of military help or some help to come in there because – the COVID cases are so bad in Texas. And president Biden
3: sent ventilators to Florida this week. Hmm. He's hmm. doing the right thing. Despite That's the right. war of words with DeSantis, he's doing the right thing as president. DeSantis is causing this problem, but he's not going to let the citizens of Florida die as a result. And the federal government, under Biden's order, has sent a bunch of ventilators down here. Can That's embarrassing. That's know? embarrassing that we need that. We know better down here. Can.
1: Yeah, it's what Rob said, and this is unfortunately the truth: that Republicans love small government when it's when it's issues that they care about. You know, they don't want the federal government involved enforcing federal civil rights uh, legislation or voting rights or <coughs> limits on guns, stuff like that. Though they're, they're all for small government back then, but it's something they care about, something they want to enforce, they all bit all about big government. They're the biggest group of hypocrites. You have ever seen in your entire <laughs> life, and it just is, and they've always been. So you know, it's like the saying that the blue lives matter, right? Until their insurrectionists killed a number of Capitol Hill police officers, That, oh, they're just bunch to, you know, mall on cops.
2: Tour. Mall cops is yeah, what exactly. Turtle so, Boy said here, and that exactly, disgusted what me. Ro- you know? What
1: Rob said, exactly what Rob disgusted said,
2: disgusted me. You know, when I saw that, and I, 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 to be honest, I'd love to get Aiden on this show, aka Turtle Boy. Um, the fact that he called out these Capitol Police officers and called them mall cops. And I was like, well, that's hypocritical because, you know, cops are cops, period. It doesn't it doesn't matter. Uh, Gary Keith, who's running for a seat here in Brockton City Council, he's in the chat. He says, good evening everyone. Thank you, Gary Keith, for watching the show. But uh, we went a little bit over tonight and I had to do it because I really wanted our Square to open our eyes to the real battle that's going on in Florida. Like I said, I feel like DeSantis is just using people and using this moment to build his 2024 platform. I'm not a big fan of DeSantis. I've never been a big fan of DeSantis. And since COVID started, DeSantis has done some questionable, he's made some questionable decisions during this whole thing of COVID. You know, he allowed, let's let's be honest, DeSantis allowed WWE and um, the UFC, to come down there and have live events. And then what happened? They had COVID outbreak amongst WWE wrestlers and UFC fighters. To the point where, guess what? UFC had to leave Florida and they had to go and get their own island because Governor DeSantis didn't want to shut stuff down. Oh, you know, he's gay. Hey, WWE, come here. Have your events here. And you know, it, it, you put people at risk. Oh, you know, and like, like our square said, <laughs> that's santas that's awesome <laughs> i mean it's not it's not funny for those who passed away but man you can't say it any better i, I just it's craziness so um real quick before we get out of here I'll let these guys say goodbye um i think that's pretty much it we talked about the santa school and the war and talked about that so again there's a picture of my beanies if you guys want to check out the scissors one beanies they'll be back around this winter i think i only have one left Pictures of people who are wearing and supporting the on One Productions brand. And um, Oscar Mike Radio, Madison Sports for you and me. Happy hour with Lido, and talk back with Gloria Shea. You want to check them out. Make sure to visit Prova. And I'm going to let these guys go around the horn and say their goodbyes. Another great show. We went a bit, little bit over, but we had to get that in with Florida. We touched base on a lot of the topics tonight. I'm going to let Oscar go first.
3: Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. It was a great show, a lot of conversation. What I just want to say is one thing to everybody. It's never been more important than now to be informed. What we were just talking about, it's not about policy differences. It's not about who you like. It's about who you can trust to maintain our democratic government, to maintain our freedoms. It doesn't matter whether you agree with someone like DeSantis on on political philosophy. Look at what he's doing by grabbing power. That should scare everybody, and we as a nation have to come together and prevent it. So stay informed, read credible sources, and, and and be active in your community. Sometimes
2: it's just common sense, too. Sometimes you can look at things and just use common sense and just, if you feel it's not right, ask about it. But again, Ken?
1: <laughs> well, first, a big shout out to all of our, all of our listeners, all 12 of them. A big congrats to the U.S. Olympic team who scored a record number of medals, gold, silver, and bronzes at this year's Olympics, despite the criticism of a certain friend and co-host of mine. And for the rest of you guys and gals, be safe, get vaccinated, wear a goddamn mask.
2: Yeah, wear a, go- wear a mask, period. You know, I, I, Look, I work at the airport. I've been dealing with this craziness for a minute. Um, I actually left my job to take the train home. And guess what I did? I forgot my mask because here in Massachusetts, if you're on public transportation, and I work in public transportation, went to get on the MBTA. Everybody's giving me the side eye looking at me. Guess what? I myself who works in public transportation, works at the airport. I forgot my mask. I had to have one of my guys come and bring me a mask so I could shame, take the train. <laughs> shame, 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 I, shame, Because I'm, I'm vaccinated, and I got into this state of mind of being comfortable and forgetting these rules. And, and again, you, you got to know the rules. And I had to get the mask and put the mask on to take the train home you know, from, from Logan. And you know what? I, I, to be honest, as this Delta variant uh, becomes more and more of a threat, um, to those who have the vaccination part of me is like you know what part of me in some places i might be going back in and wearing a mask in some places just 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 to be kind of just to be safe just to be safe you know until i'm not gonna wait till the mandates come and all that stuff i myself i don't think we're headed to a point where things are going to shut down again but i do think mask mandates are coming back and i think people should be aware um and look at what's going on right now with this this variant and um Again, school's right around the corner, people, and um, we don't want to be putting them at risk. But I got to thank everybody for tuning in the show, everybody that's in the chat, hanging out with us, a lot of people on Facebook, a lot of people on YouTube tonight, Um, and I'm seeing everything from Facebook. So when people post on Facebook, I'm seeing it in the YouTube chat. And um, hey, before I let these guys go and we get out of here, we got to figure out how we're going to do our picks because you guys are only going to be coming on once a month. And we usually do our picks um, every week. So we've got to probably set up something where people can see the picks online or something and kind of go through the big games of the month. I think we'll, we'll, fig- we'll figure this out. We've got, we've got a we'll month figure to figure out. this out. We'll figure out. got a month to figure this out. Everybody's got week four circled on their calendars because that's when Tampa Bay comes up here to play the Patriots. That's going to be the biggest game. Of the of of history in,
1: in, in football. History. Why would you say that, sister? <laughs> I can't imagine why. <laughs> Dude, this
2: there's. there's there, I heard people saying that this match. I'm like, look, Tampa Bay Patriots is going to be the biggest game uh, in all of NFL in the history of NFL. There, there's no other game out there that you can try to pump up. Um, somebody was talking about a green there's a Green Bay matchup, but the thing is, is Aaron Rodgers hasn't even hit the field. Aaron Rodgers is having issues with his contract. So the question is, is Aaron Rodgers even going to play this season? You've got Dak Prescott who got hurt down there at the Cowboys and they're on hard knocks. So I got to start watching hard knocks this year, but a lot of intangibles guys this year for the NFL, a lot of things that we're going to have to keep our eyes on. But again, I'm glad it's back. Um, That's it. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the booth and these guys will be back The first of every tuesday so they'll be back next month the first tuesday of every month these guys will be on i want to thank them for coming on the show and um again thank you guys for all the support and uh spongebob do me a favor take us home
1: well see you next tuesday
0: Thank you for listening to The Booth on Hoobazoo and HatcherRadio.com. Please follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. The Booth is a Sinister One production hosted by Sinister One.
2: I've got to start hanging out with friends that are a little more intelligent and understand politics instead. It's just that I'm up on this level up here, and all my friends are down here. Me, meh. You guys, meh. Maybe a little more down, down in here. Screw you guys, I'm going
3: home. I smoke, I drink, I do my thing. These bitches is hatin', so you know I got to make it plain. Don't do
0: cocaine with your chick, my main. We stick together, true forever. Yeah, you know we bang, I miss. Those days, which was
3: easy If only I made it. this Don't no repeat Now that I done upgraded I've been upstate But y'all think I'm playing And I gotta hit now
0: For these weak assholes Who think I ain't slaying Try me, try me And I'll probably end up laughing Cause I never back down I'm that chick with a clean ass whip I don't need that shit it's like I am my own now I get hurt, I get tired of fussing, and fighting, and guess I gotta crack down. Don't mess with me, cause on everything, I'ma have to bring the whole city yeah. out. W-H-O-O-V-A-Z-O-O, that's a wizard.com. W- your website, it's your
1: website, get your website, it's your website.